You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. Thank you, Dominique. Thank you, worship team. Appreciate you so much for serving us. Uh, we are so thankful. Uh, it's what a great morning. Celebrate baptism, singing, get to just uh, be together, feel the, 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 te- the temperature outside is starting to, you know, drop a couple of degrees, just a different feel, right? Pumpkin spices in the air. This is, uh, it's a great time for us. Uh, rounding out, thank you, brother. Rounding out 2021, uh, looking towards the new year. I'm really excited about uh, a lot of things that are happening here. I hope you are too. Hope that uh, if you're not already involved in a like small group on Wednesday nights, that you come out to the class that's starting October 6th. That's the first weekend, uh, first Wednesday in October. I'll be teaching a class, just going through what we believe about the Bible, how we interpret the Bible, how it was put together, what we've how we kind of encapsulate our, our, all of our views the, of Scripture. So um, hopefully that'll be something that will serve you, and we're excited to start that, and the women's brunch, and a lot of other things happening. So if you're, um, you really should text 94,000, um, wholeness to 94,000, that, that uh, opens up just a really neat link tree for you to follow along kind of what's happening in uh, the New Covenant world, um, and it's a lot happening, so really grateful for that. I don't know if you got to see the new signs that are up on the building. They are looking awesome. We're really grateful for that. Um, a lot more visibility on, on Sample Road with um, the new sign and then sign up front, and we have other things that are just happening bit by bit in, in our facility, and just keep praying for us that, that God would give us wisdom to, to um, care for this place well because we want to care for you well. We are going to be in Colossians chapter 4 today. We are finishing up our series on prayer today. Last week we were in Colossians 1, and today we're in Colossians 4. We're at the bookends of Colossians, and really hoping that this is going to be a, uh, just a helpful message today. It's going to be challenging for us, but... Um, we need what God has to tell us today, and I'm just really excited to, to think through this a little bit more with you. So let's stand together as we read verses 2 through 6 in Colossians chapter 4. This is what the Word says. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves wisely toward one another, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, change us by your word. Help us. Spirit of God, would you continue to lead us and, and, and work in us so that we might be different, we might be changed, we might be useful for, for your cause, your kingdom, your glory. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. There's been a... A, a new technological development 
in the world. Always happy to share some of these with you. <laughs> um, this is a funny one. Uh, so there, there's been a new paint that's been created. I don't know if you've seen this or heard about it, but it is the whitest paint ever made. It's the whitest paint that's ever been created. And it is, you're like, why is that a big deal? Well, here's the big deal. It's so, it's so white that it, they believe that this paint will actually could eliminate the need for air conditioning in the future. All right, now, you, now you're seeing why it's important, okay? It's, so, they, so basically, the, uh, the scientists at Purdue University, they ha- have now made it into the Guinness Book of World Records for the whitest paint ever. Um, but the real reason they started this was to make a reflective paint that would not break records, but so that it could help in the fight against climate change. And so they, they developed this paint, and because it was so reflective, it made it so white. And so I don't know how you test the whiteness of a paint or any colorness of a paint, but this is the, by far, the whitest ever. It made it into the Guinness Book of World Records. And so basically, if you put this on a surface, it will reflect the sun's now listen, all you engineers out there and scientists, I may get this a little off, but this is, this is what's happening. It will reflect um, so much of the sun's uh, rays and heat that what it then emits will be cooler than the surrounding temperature. And the power, the cooling power that it generates will be more powerful than most, air, most household air conditioners. It's crazy. White paint. It, it, it just fascinates me how how we do this it, it amazes me the when problems face humanity when we face problems what we are able to do to overcome or accomplish something to to handle the the issue at hand and it's just amazing that that God gave us as humans this ability this amazing ability to be so resourceful and brilliant and and, and there's there's just something in us that wants to see change there's something in us that wants to bring change to make a difference this is this is part of our mission here at, at, at New Covenant. We, we have these three C's that, that we talk about. When we talk about bringing wholeness. We talk about connect, cultivate, and create. We, we, we connect to God and others. We cultivate genuine growth. And that last C, we create opportunities to make a difference. We, we see that as the church's mission, like not just our church, but the church as a whole, the global church, is to, to make a difference in the world. We want to create opportunities to make a difference. And it's, it's not just about creating great inventions to help solve the world's problems. But to make a difference, to make a change that will last, that will be significant. Beyond what this earth and this world and this life brings. And I think we all can feel like we are, we can be more effective in bringing change to the world. Some of us try to do it by making social media posts, like it's going to bring change to the world. Um, some of us do it by, by engaging in our careers more effectively. Some of us do it by, by, by investing in our families. And so there, there's a range of things that we do to try and 
make a difference. And God, he gives us a path towards making a difference. He gives us a path towards, towards bringing real change. And, and it's prayer. It's prayer. You may not come up with the solution or create the solution to global warming, but God has given you gifts and talents to bring change into the world. And more than that, he has given you his word. He has given you his spirit to strengthen you to do some amazing things. And prayer is the fuel for this kind of change. It's the spark for this kind of change. And, and we see it in this little letter. We see it happening. We see the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter. We, we saw it last week when we looked at Colossians 1. And we see it again today when we look at Colossians 4. Why do we pray? People all over the world will say that they pray. People all over the world will communicate. I mean, we do this to each other, right? We're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll pray for you. And we don't always, right? <laughs> we just want to make people feel better at times. Like, I'll pray for you. And it's like, we don't pray. But why do we pray? Why do we go through the trouble of praying? What are we hoping to accomplish? What do you hope to get from praying? It's a question for us because it will impact what we pray, how we pray, when we pray. If we don't have a good understanding of why I am going to the Lord, why I'm trying to pray, why I am doing this simple activity of calling out to God, what, what are we hoping to get? See, Paul begins this letter and he ends this letter with an emphasis on prayer. And here's why. I think here's why. To show us the benefit of praying, to show us the profit that comes when we pray, right? It's not just to get the things that we're asking for. I mean, that's, that's great, right? It's great when God gives us the things that we are asking him for, but that's not the main purpose. Look, those guys at Purdue University, they didn't set out to create the whitest paint ever created. It, that was not the goal. Like, it's so white, it's world record. They didn't care. No, their goal was to bring change to the world. Their goal was to do something so significant with their talents, their gifts. And so they, they, they wanted to do something that was going to hopefully help the humanity. And, and this, look, what is it about prayer for us? Prayer gets our focus off of ourselves and onto bigger things. That's what prayer does. It gets our minds, our, our hearts, our eyes off of ourselves, and, and it puts it on to bigger things. That's what prayer is. Prayer gets our focus to where it should be. It's a gift given to us to help us hear this. Prayer is a gift given to us to help us get more of God. That's the goal. That's the end. That's the significance. Why do we pray? We pray so that we can get more of God, so that we can know him more. We can, we can see him better. We can, that, that's huge. It's a, it's a big difference than just seeing God as this cosmic vending machine, right? That's like, okay, what do I need today? Okay, I need, I need money. So I'm going to go, you know, E6 and money comes out. And it's like, oh, money didn't come. God's broken. We, 
<laughs> that's, that's us, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's what we do. The real purpose and the real profit of prayer is, is to get closer to him, to recognize that, that we don't have power in and of ourselves. We don't have the power to bring change, to, to, to do the things that we really need and want but that he does, and so we go to him because he's the one that has power to bring real change to us and to the world around us. And so we go to the one who has the power. We go to God. So the focus, the, the benefit for us is not to get the gift, but to get the giver. Right? We live this life not just to obey a bunch of rules, but to know the ruler. We need the shift in our thinking because if we don't, we're constantly going to be disappointed and frustrated and angry and all the things because we're just not getting what we want when often what we want is wrong. See, when we get more of God, then, then our purpose in life changes. Our purpose changes. Our mission changes. And we're thrust into a new mission, to a new purpose. And we start thinking deeply and bigger about the world around us. See, that's what chapter 4 does. Really, chapter 1 and chapter 4, as he bookmarks, bookends this, this letter with prayer, prayer, it's to help us see that, that prayer is the fuel. Prayer is the fuel that... that, that pushes us into change. It fuels our love for the world around us. And, and we have to admit, it's hard for us, isn't it? It's hard for us because most of us, when we pray or when we think of prayer, we're generally thinking of ways that we can get more of fill in the blank. Right? We want more. Love, more money, more fame, more significance, more power, more friends, more health. And not that any of that is necessarily wrong. And we can pray for those things, and that's, that's, that's okay. But when, when the foundation of our prayer life is just consistently focused on what we can get, then we are in trouble one, one report I saw showed a, a significant number of people who prayed, pray for, for two other things. It was pretty significant. It wasn't like 90%, but they prayed for consistently for their favorite sports team to win. <laughs> and the other was for winning the lottery. It was a high percentage. It wasn't, I don't want to make it sound like that's what everybody's praying for, but it, it came up, it showed up on the list. But this is us. Our prayers can so easily become focused on how much I can get from this world. And God is wanting to challenge us to flip it, to say, not how much can I get from this world, but how much can I bring into this world? Not, not like this, ask not what you can do for your country, would you, or what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. But seriously, like what God wants us to be, useful and missional in mind, not just this consumer mindset, this consumer world that we are just plagued with here in, in our country, 21st century. And look, I'm a part of it. I love things. I'm a sucker. You show me as seen on TV. I'm like, we need that. ShamWow or, you know, whatever. They even sell that anymore. High-end high towel.
right? We're not just trying to bring anything into this world. We're not just trying to create the whitest paint ever. We're trying to bring the God of the universe into a broken world. If we really believe that God exists and that God is the answer to trouble and problems, then that's what we want to be giving, want to be bringing. And we see it here. We see it in this, in this final section of Colossians. Paul helps us to reorient our thinking about prayer so that we see the real profit in prayer, the real benefit from praying, which is to make us more effective in showing people how amazing God is. Is your life, if you consider yourself a Christian, if you don't, so glad you're here, glad you're listening, whatever, I, I, I want your life to have meaning, and I believe that following Jesus, following the Lord is, is the path to meaning in life. And if, and if you do follow Christ, if you do believe, you have to ask yourself these questions like, is my life provoking people to love God more? Or is it provoking people to anger, to frustration, to disbelief, to a certain political party, to a system? We have to ask ourselves these questions. This, there's nothing more important. That's what Paul's trying to show us here. And he does this by showing two, two aspects of prayer. He shows this by talking about the quantity of prayer and the quality of our prayers. How important both are, the quantity and the quality. See, what do I mean by the quantity of our prayers? Look, a lot of times people want to know, how much should I pray? How long? Just tell me. Like, is it five minutes every day? Is it three times a day? Is it 20 minutes total in a day? Can I split it up throughout the day? How long do I want to pray? And, and sometimes we, do I pray before meals? Do I have to pray before meals? And we know some people that pray way too long before meals. And you're just like, I just, man, I want to eat, bro. Like, cut it. And we all feel bad about feeling that way, right? We're all just like, uh, I should really want this. Thank you, Lord. I'm so hungry. Would he, would he please stop? <laughs> We're like, forgive me, God. I don't, I don't want to be this way, but I really just want to eat. <laughs> How much do we pray? And wouldn't it be nice if the scripture, if the Bible just gave us a real clear answer and just told us, hey, when you pray, Here's how long. Set your iPhone for six minutes. Make sure it's on classic alarm so that you know when it's done and then, then go on with your day. We, we would love that, man. We just want rules. We want guidelines. We want it all. We don't get that. We don't get that. Here's what we get. Continue steadfastly in prayer. And you're like, great. What do, what do I do with that? Continue steadfastly in prayer. Paul says it in another place. He says, Pray without ceasing. <laughs> You're like, oh, what does that mean? How am I supposed to do that? Now I really have to let the guy pray who's praying before a meal go forever without ceasing. Continue steadfastly in prayer. That's what we get. Here, here's what it means, okay? It's not a clear, you pray this much throughout the day and, and, and you know, this time and this time and this time for this long. We don't get it. We just get this principle. You need to pray. You need to pray continually. Pray, pray uh, a lot. Let it be steadfast. Steadfast, what does that mean? It's not a word we use a lot, but here's, here's the meaning of it. When we pray steadfastly, we are praying. It, it means to be busy with prayer. It means to be devoted 
to prayer, to persist in prayer, right? We need to busy ourselves with prayer. We need to devote ourselves to prayer. Look, we devote ourselves to so many things, don't we? We devote ourselves, we're busy with so many things. Why do we devote ourselves to so many other things besides prayer? Why do we do it? It's because we believe those other things are going to profit us, right? We, we spend our time working or going to the gym or eating or in front of the mirror or with friends. or we, we devote ourselves to video games. We devote ourselves to all this stuff because we think it's going to give us something back. It's going to give us purpose, give us meaning, give us significance, give us happiness, joy. We think it will profit us. It'll pay off for something else that we highly value, right? If we devote ourselves to work, it's because we think it's going to just get us money so that we can live the life we want to live. If we devote ourselves to other people, you know, too, too much about what other people think, it's because we think friends are going are gonna to fill us up. If we devote ourselves to just finding a spouse, uh, it, it means we think that marriage is going to solve all our problems or having children or fill in the blank. We devote ourselves to those things because we believe there's profit in it. That's why we need this encouragement to help, to help show us that when we build our relationship with God, when we grow in prayer and, and realize his nearness, that God is near to us, that's, that, that's what prayer does. It awakens us to how near he is. And when we realize that, that's when we find in him is everything that we've been hoping for. Look, if you're looking to your job for your ultimate source of significance in this life, you are going to be disappointed. If you are looking to your spouse to, to be God for you, to, to fill that void, you are going to be disappointed. If you're, if you're hoping that money is going to fill that gap, it will not. Nothing will. And we just constantly devote ourselves to those things because we hope and believe it will fill us up. And it won't. And so Paul, he highlights this for us. Make prayer the standard feature of your life. Just be a person about prayer. It's not about how long you pray. It's not about how often you pray. It's, it's, it's just this idea that your life is shaped by an atmosphere of prayer, that you are constantly going to God, talking to him. It's not always, all right, I need to spend time alone in in the room with God. That's great and that's important. You need to do that. But also it needs to be this constant relationship. So that's the, that's the quantity of it. We need to busy ourselves with prayer and, and stop busying ourselves with the things that are just not as important. This is a great quote from George Mueller. George Mueller was a, an amazing man in the 1800s, almost single-handedly ended the orphan crisis in England. There were no orphanages. He had a heart for this, and he was known for being a man of prayer, amazingly. And he said this, and this was really practical, I thought. He says, in order to enjoy the word, we ought to continue to read it. And the way to obtain a spirit of prayer, which is what we're talking about, we want a spirit of prayer in our lives, is to continue praying. For the less we read of the word of God, the less we desire to read it, and the less we pray, the less we desire to pray. 
right? We just stop praying and it's like, yeah, I just really don't like it. I never, I'm never able to do it. It's the same with reading the Bible. You're just like, ah, I can't do it. I'm not really a reader. Like we don't have an option. Like we need, we need this book and we need to pray. And the less we pray, the less we want to pray. The more we pray, the more we desire to pray because we start to believe that there really is profit in, uh, for us in it. It benefits us. It serves us. But not just for us. <laughs> not just so that we can feel better about ourselves. See, this is where it talks about the quality of our prayer. See, the quality of our prayer, he says this. There's two aspects to, the, to, to our prayer life. He says, I want you to be watchful and thankful. Pray steadfastly, continually being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Now, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in a minute especially this idea of being watchful. But this is the aspect of our prayer. This is the quality of our prayer, of our prayer life. But I want to highlight what this leads to, what being watchful and thankful leads to for us. See, look at, look at, how the, at the quality of how Paul wants to pray. He's praying to change the world. He says, pray, pray continually, be devoted to pray. And he says, look, I, I want that devotion that you have in prayer to, to start praying for me also. Paul's saying, I want you to pray for us. He says, pray for us so that, what does he pray? That, that, that a door would be opened. He says, so that God may open to us a door for the word. This is, this is incredible. It's such an example for us because what, are, what do our prayers sound like? We've got to be challenged with this some. How much do we really understand who God is so that our prayers reflect that? Look, you want to change the world? You want to make a difference in this world? I hope you do. I want you to. I believe you can. And this is the thing that will do more change to the world than anything else. God entering our world, bringing life, bringing wholeness. That does it. It's his word. Why, why his word? Why does he say that God would open a door for his, his word to come through? Right? He doesn't say, I want God to come through. He says, I want his word to come through. It's because words are how we understand things. Words are how we, our lives are changed, right? Words can change the trajectory of your life. How many of you have been just wounded by a, a careless word spoken to you? One word, but out of the millions of positive words that have been said to you, one word comes to you that's, that's negative or degrading, and you just are undone. Words matter. How we speak matters. God speaks to us through words so that we can understand, and that's what changes things. The word, the word is this, this entire word that we call the Bible. It is the thing that, that brings change into our world because words impact behavior. And when his word hits us, when it really hits us, it brings change. It changes everything. It changes the way we think, the way we speak, the way we live and behave. So he says, I'm praying for a door. What does he mean? He means an opportunity. I'm praying for an opportunity to make a difference. Not for myself, not so that I could get through that door and get ahead in life 
but for the word, for the, what he calls the mystery of Christ. It is a mystery. Christ himself is a mystery. We don't fully understand how it all plays together and how the good news that, that the God of the universe would come to me. Ryan said it during worship, right? He said that, that, that the hero would come to die for the villain. The problem is we don't see ourselves as the villain. We see, we see ourselves as the victim. We see ourselves as the victim of life, like, oh, life is just happening to me. I can't get ahead. Woe is me. I'm so, oh, this, this is too much, too hard, too. When we don't realize that we, without God doing this thing to us, saving us, coming to this world, dying on the cross, living a perfect life, being raised from the dead, if we don't understand that we were his enemy before that happened, we sang about it this morning so amazingly. That's why we can sing, I'm free, I'm free, forever I'm free. Because we were his enemy, we were the villain. And he comes and he says, I love you so much, I want to die for you. That is the mystery. If that's not mysterious to you, if that's not something that grips you and wants to change the way that you see life and reality, then I, I don't know what will. Because either you think it's a joke and he's lying, or it's true and it just doesn't matter that much. We have to see this as amazing, as a mystery, as, as life-changing, life-altering. That's where the power to bring change really comes from. And when we pray, we, we tap into that power. We want a door for the word. It's just, it's fascinating because Paul, he says this, that God would open a door because this is why I'm in prison. I'm in chains. That's like a revelation, right? He's, he's in prison. How would you pray if you're in prison? Like, Lord, pray. I would tell them, the Colossian church, hey, you really love me? I need you praying. Praying steadfastly and continuously. <laughs> so, and pray also for us that I would get out of jail. <laughs> right? I mean, we don't get our coffee order right in the morning. We're like, Lord... Strike down, Starbucks. Can't find good help these days. Someone cuts us off in traffic. Someone, we get a bad haircut. We're like, <laughs> shedding. We, we need reminding of our priorities that our prayer life, what, what the quality of that prayer life should look like. He says, I want you to be watchful and thankful. He says, pray also for us. Not that I would be able to, to get out of here because I'm more useful out there. He says, no, actually I'm in here because, because God has, has willed that I'm in prison. And therefore, if I'm in here, I want you to pray that while I'm here, I would be as useful as humanly possible, as spiritually possible to tell everyone about the mystery of Christ. And he's like, make sure that I'm not just stuttering along. Make sure that I make it clear when I talk about it. He, he's on mission, man. He is in prison going, I'm here. This is where I've been sent. God, use me. And so pray, church, pray for me. Not that I would get out, but that I would, I would let everybody know about Christ. 
Paul probably brought more people to Christ through his time in prison. If you count from when he was in prison there and then to now as the Bible has been written and all the people that have come to Christ through his prison experience by reading his words because he was in prison. That's hard for us. I get it, man. And I'm not saying pray to go to prison. I'm just saying wherever you are in your life right now, Let your prayer life focus on the goodness of God, the richness of God, that he has a purpose in your life, that he is doing something amazing in your life. And as you pray, say, God, would you you allow me to be used, that, that there would be doors of opportunity so that I could change the world with your gospel? And if you're thinking, oh, I don't know what to, if God did that, I wouldn't even know what to say to people. Look, it's not complicated. Prayer is simple. We just pray those prayers. God, would you use me? I need you. He will make, he will give you the words to speak. He will give you the life to live so that people who are watching you will go, man, they are weird. They are strange. Why are they so different? Why do they look so differently than than I do? And they start to ask questions. And you can say, look, I have no idea other than that Christ has changed my life and he can change yours too. But is your life looking different? Are you living in such a way that you are reflecting this kind of life? And this, are your prayers reflecting this for you? So I want to leave you with a couple thoughts. As we think about, okay, I, I, I have, how am I going to do this well? How should I frame my thinking in terms of, okay, I, I'm praying, my prayer life, I want to grow, I want to grow in steadfastness and continuing in prayer. I, 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 want, to, I want to see the real prophet in prayer as, as me growing and changing so that the world around me will see a difference. And I can, I'm not going to create some revolutionary new paint, but I am going to bring the love of Jesus everywhere that I go, somehow, some way. How do I do this? How do we take the profit of, of knowing God and, and take that to go make a difference in the world? I'll give you three things to think about. Okay? We're going to watch. Walk and waste not. Okay, we had to get the third W in there. Waste not. Don't waste. Right? Living a life of prayer helps us to do these things. It helps us to watch. helps us to walk differently. It helps us to, to, to waste not. Let me explain what I mean. What do I mean by watch? Look, as we pray, this is what he says. I want you to be watchful and thankful. Watchful. He, it means to be awake. Literally to be awake. Now, he doesn't mean, I just want you to not fall asleep when you pray. Some of us need that help, right? It's like, all right, we're all going to pray. And I remember one time, literally in a small group meeting, we like started to pray, and one of my friends was in the meeting, and he started snoring, like almost instantly. He's like, bro, wake up, man. God said so. We need to be awake, watchful. It means be alert. It means be awake. It, it, it's, it, it's more than just not falling asleep. That's important, but more than that, it's telling us, look, it's saying, watch your life. Watch your life and your prayer life. 
Be mindful, be alert, be awake to what's going on in the world around you so that you can be effective in praying. You can be effective in your prayer life so that your life can actually make a difference and make a change. If we're sleeping and praying, our prayers are going to look way off. If we're not awake, if we're not watchful in it, what do we do? We fall asleep, not physically. We fall asleep emotionally, spiritually. We're just not aware of what's going on. We need to be awake. We need to be watchful as we walk around. Are you watching the world around you? And, and, and then having an, a thought in your mind about rather than just, oh, I'm watching everything. I'm watching it go to. Hell. Is that, is, is that all that marks your vocabulary? Just how bad things are and I'm, oh, I'm awake, all right, and, and the only way we're ever going to get out of this is through government change, policy change, political change. What? We have to see that God is bigger than all of this stuff, that God is, and, and it's, it's fine to comment on these things and we want to take notice and action about what's going on in the world around us and, and, and speak up for the things that need to be spoken up for. But my goodness, man, we have got to change the way that we view all of it and act like God really exists and that we love him and we believe that he is able to bring change and that he is maybe doing something through the craziness that surrounds us. Paul's in prison for preaching the gospel. He's in prison for doing the very best thing ever. And we would say that's an unjust government. There's policies that are wrong. This is, this is wrong, horrible, evil, wicked. And yet Paul's like, yep, let me open some doors so that I can, I can make some real change. He's not saying I want you to. It's a lot. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We need to watch our lives, and then we need to adjust. We need to watch the world around us, be awake to the world that's around us, and then we need to adjust our lives accordingly so that we can bring this, this world-changing message in our prayer life. We, we need to be praying that God would open up doors. Stop being miserable if you're miserable. Stop complaining if you're complaining. Stop letting your prayers just be focused on everything that's wrong and start letting your prayers push out into a realm of mission to see the world around you as a, as a field, as a land that is needing you to bring change where you are. But let that change bringing be something that people can respond to. If all you're doing is yelling and screaming and stomping your feet and holding your breath in your tantrum, then nothing's going to change. Ask God to come in to bring real life and change through you. We need to be watching, watchful, watchful for open doors as we're, as we're living our life. Let there be doors that are opening and our eyes need to be open as we're praying and as we're living for opportunities to make a difference. So we need to watch. We need to walk. Look, he says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Walk in wisdom. We need to walk wisely. Look, he says, I, I, I want you to walk in wisdom as we're watchful and as we pray with thankfulness, right? We, we don't even have time to unfold how to, how to be thankful in all of this. But it's going to change the way that we live 
It's going to help us walk in wisdom. Walk, again, just means how we behave, how we live. He says, I want you to walk in wisdom toward outsiders. What does outsider mean? It means people that are outside of the faith. It means people that are different than you. Man, we need to walk in wisdom. You got people all around you that are different, that are in your word, in your world, they're outsiders to your world. How do you walk in wisdom toward them? If you have a, a person that's an outsider yelling or, or, or crying or hurting or screaming, the, the first response for us that, that's seeking to bring wholeness, seeking to, to, to bring change should be not stop it, pull yourself together. It should be what's going on. That's how we walk in wisdom. Because he says it again in verse 6. He says, I want your speech always to be what? Say the word. Say it again. One more time loud. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Salt's wonderful. Salt adds flavor. Salt preserves. Salt creates thirst. Your life needs to be doing that. Your speech needs to be doing that. How you speak, how you live with others needs to be wisely creating thirst for others. A thirst not for unimportant things. Thirst for God and who he is. Our lives should be provoking that in other people. When you're seasoned with salt, it makes others thirsty for Jesus. Is your life doing that? Are you praying for that? Let your prayers be so saturated in that kind of thinking. And then finally, waste not. What do I mean by this? He says this. He says, I want you to make the best use of the time. Making the best use of the time. This is how we live. We, we, we don't want to waste time. God cares about how we use our time, how we think about time. It literally means I want you to buy up the time because time is short, right? When, when, when we think toilet paper is going to be scarce, what do we do? We go buy it all up. There's none left because it's, it's running out. Time is not, we don't have forever, okay? Your life is a breath. God wants you to use that, that life for purpose, for him, to, 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 to wake up and be thankful in your prayer life and in your active life, to, to see that time is going to be best used when you are giving it to the Lord and what he wants you to do. It means that we care and we're conscious about the time God has given us. How are we viewing the world around us? How are we viewing people are we wasting time with one another? God gives us good news. He tells us that other people, outsiders, they're not obstacles. They're not competition. They're not a source of anger and frustration. They are a source of opportunity for God to, to be magnified, for God to grow in the life of others. Do you want change in your life? Do you, do, you, do you find yourself just so angry or miserable about the world around you? Do you want change? Do you want to see your life being used for something greater? I, I don't care about white paint. I don't care if we never have air conditioners again. I care about whether you are being used to the fullness that God has created you for. Do you want that? God will give it to you if you go to him and you pray. You ask him, help 
I need you, God. I need to be used for you in more and more and more ways. Don't use the excuses of I don't have time. I, I, I'm, I'm too scared. I'm not gifted. Maybe once I get my life in order, I'll do it. No, no, today's the day. Now's the time. If you've never followed Christ, today's the day to say, I follow you, Lord. I trust you. I am giving my life to you. Would you please, would you please save me? And if you have given your life to Christ and you are living this, this life for him, let's start evaluating and asking him to grow us more and more. Let our prayer lives be changed. Let's be praying for God to give us opportunities to make a difference in the world around your family, your workplace, this church. When you drive on the street, all of it is an opportunity for us. Church, let's stand together. God, we love you. We need you. We can do none of this without you. Oh, Lord, it would be horrible if we left this place saying, man, I just got to do better. I just got to try harder. No, no, God, you, you tell us that we come to you. We rest in you. We pray. That's what prayer is. It is a form of surrender, saying, I don't have the ability, but you do. God, would you work in us? Would you help us as a church to be a place of, of mission, would, of a place where we go out and we make a difference because of who you are. We're not trying to get ahead just for ourselves. We're not just trying to make a name for ourselves. We want to make your name great. As we sang earlier, do what you are famous for. You make all things beautiful because of who you are. Thank you for loving us and saving us and for changing us. Help us now to go and be change makers in this world because you are worth it. You are worthy, God. You are worthy. It's through your son's powerful name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's sing, church.